people are losing their minds over vaccines. The inhumanity that I see people display to one another is really quite disturbing, particularly uh, people who are pro-vaccine wishing that other people's children will die uh, from diseases because they have not been vaccinated. And sadly, those people only change their minds once the unthinkable happens. Their child gets autism, their child gets cancer, their child dies within a few hours of administration of these vaccines. It happens. We have to face that, and it happens much more frequently than we are told. No matter your stance, Guest Heretic Silhouette Cut has a viable option that most people have never heard about. It's called homeoprophylaxis. In today's episode of the Nutrition Heretic Podcast, you'll learn what homeoprophylaxis is, the real story behind those polio outbreaks of the early 1900s that the vaccine manufacturers like to bring up, and why the U.S. now has one of the highest infant mortality rates in the world, despite requiring seven times more vaccines than any other industrialized nation. Coming up next. Aloha and Melekalikimaka heretics. This is Adrian here, the Nutrition Heretic. December marks our one-year anniversary since we started the Nutrition Heretic podcast. Uh, in that time, we've interviewed some of the most pioneering and controversial heretics in the field of nutrition, uh, health, and everything that goes along with that, from farming to spirituality. So next year, we have plans to get experts on other controversial issues, such as raw milk and to weigh in on vaccines. Plus, we'd like to add some live Q&As to get your personal questions answered, how-tos on shopping, on a budget, and even some cooking demos. So, when you're doing your holiday shopping this year, please think cock. Why? Because 50 Ways to Eat Cock is a crowd pleaser, and everybody loves to stuff their throats with cock. So if you'd like to see some of this content coming up next year, please go to Amazon.com and look up 50 Ways to Eat Cock, Frenching Your Food or Honey Lingus. Uh, you can also go to NutritionHeretic.com forward slash books. And look, if you can't afford the books, please share it on social media because maybe some of your friends could. Thank you so much. It's been great serving you. See you next year. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. <laughs> it's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Hello, heretics, and welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Show. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. Aloha. Uh, I wanted to, uh, this morning I wake up and the first thing I see on, on my Facebook feed is this video of uh, Russian naked babies uh, being tossed around in the snow, and literally naked, not underwear, nothing. Uh, they're about I guess one to two years old and their parents are, are flipping them up in the air, up in the cold winter air, and then taking them into the water. And this is supposed to build their immune systems. It sounds insane to me. I hate the cold. That's why I live in Hawaii. Uh, that's why I, I fled New Jersey as fast as I could, uh, because I don't like the cold, but there are a lot of people who believe that it builds your immune system. And yeah, this is uh, one of those things that has been extremely controversial in our society, in the United States in particular, because uh, so many people rely on vaccines to give them immunity, and they have not entertained other ways of building immunity. I, I do believe that there is something to... Um, the, the, the low temperatures do seem to activate... Uh, certain processes within the body. 
uh, that help it to mount a proper defense. But if you remember on the ap- episode that we did with Stacey Shepard, who is the GAPS practitioner, uh, she we talked about the fact that a lot of people are using vaccines as a way to bypass all other responsibility in creating immunity. Now, we know that there's many things that we can do, and, and a lot of that starts with how we eat, uh, perhaps the, the cold air method. And, you know, if you're, if you're really, you know, there's a lot of parents who are worried. So I'm talking to everybody here, but, you know, there's a lot of parents who are worried about what goes into the vaccines. What is going to happen to my child? They know people or maybe they've had, uh, experience themselves with a, a child previously who's been damaged by a vaccine. Uh, there's, it's no secret that, uh, the U.S. is over vaccinating our, our children. We are vaccinated. It's kind of funny too, because w- the way I eat, people look at me and they go, Oh, well, you know, you got to die sometime, but then they will pump their child up with 70 vaccines. So I guess my point here is, is that there's many ways to to get immunity. Um, I think that personally, I think that if you do not have your diet in a row and if, you, if your child is not already reasonably healthy, uh, uh, injecting them with multiple vaccines is probably not going to give you the best outcome because what people f- forget, or maybe they just don't know, is that, you know, we're trying to stop a particular disease. Let's just say pertussis. You know, we don't look at things like SIDS, you know, sudden infant death syndrome, which has increased proportionately to the number of vaccines that we've uh, foisted on our children. So for that reason, I wanted to have Scylla Watcut on the show today. She's the author of The Green Vaccine. She is our guest heretic today. And welcome, Scylla. Thank you, Adrian. It's great to be here. Oh, thank you so much for being here. And I I was so excited when I saw your book because The Green Vaccine, that, that kind of says it all. Can you tell us what the book is about in a nutshell? Sure. Well, the title is actually There Is a Choice, Homeoprophylaxis. Oh, sorry about and that. It, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> And it's it's about my experience um, finding a choice, finding a better way, and lots of references and studies and information to back up that way. So when I uh, started my family, I have an adopted family of children from Russia, uh, Taiwan, mainland China, and then I have one biological child. And we adopted our youngest named Lily, from China. And when we brought her home, the pediatrician insisted on giving her all her vaccines. So at that time, about 20 years ago, I was inexperienced and obedient and uh, offered her up for the vaccines. And she immediately went into 105 Fahrenheit temperatures and uh, almost died. She had aseptic meningitis. Oh my gosh. So the P... Yeah, the pediatrician denied any uh, relationship to the vaccines, but I started my research then. And through my research, I came to a lot of information that I share in the book. Right, right. And so what was your background previously? Were you at all in research, medicine, chemistry, any of that? Not at all. I loved medicine and wanted to go into medicine, but I also... Um, got an undergraduate degree in dance. So I was in the arts and I had a dance company and I performed and I had a studio and I was debating whether to go on for a master's degree and applied for a Fulbright scholarship. Hmm. I was accepted at the University of Limerick in Ireland for a program they had in international choreography. And at the same time, my children who were sick, um, a pediatrician said, try homeopathy for asthma. So I took my son who was asthmatic to a homeopath and his asthma was gone within six months. So then I took my son with migraines and I took my daughter who had kidney reflux and all of them improved. So I was intrigued, fascinated, um, and very interested. So then I chose in my late forties to go back to school for four years to homeopathic medical school. And I've never looked back. So it was at that point that I really, you know, launched into a homeopathic career. Right, right. That's, uh, that's fascinating. And, and, you know, this is one, one thing that I always say to people is that, you know, your typical, at, at least from my perspective, the, the dietitians and, and just, and yeah, I guess the, the doctors too, uh, the, those are the people who kind of, you know, go through high school and say like, this is what I want to be when I grow up. Uh, and the people who are in, the complementary area, 
homeopathy and nutrition are the people who got who were failed by the standard medical system and dietetics and then you know in their 20s or or whatever age uh later after they've gone through their regular uh you know what they had originally thought was their passion uh they find something that seems totally off the wall that works right well life has a way of serving things up to us that we don't expect and placing us on a new path Absolutely. Definitely what happened in my case. Right. So then, okay. So what do you tell to people who are already, you know, minded towards the, the alternatives or the complementary type medicine, uh, but they still don't really get homeopathy? Does that make sense? You know, there, there seems to be this kind of confusion where a lot of people like to gang up on homeopathy. And, and I think it's kind of funny because even particularly for people who are very mainstream, let's just call it minded, uh, which is that in many ways, the science behind homeopathy is not terribly different from the science behind vaccines. Would you agree with that? Uh, well, l- let's differentiate between homeopathy and homeoprophylaxis. Okay. Because yes. the, the aim of homeoprophylaxis is similar to the intention, the original intention yes. of vaccination. That's where they dip, they split at that point and, and are very, very different. So homeopathy itself is a form of medicine that's based on a few very simple principles. One is like treats like. So whatever causes symptoms can also cure symptoms. And the second principle is minimal dose. So you have to take that material that could cause the symptoms and you have to dilute it so much that it becomes energetic and that's a minimum dose. And the third principle is the totality of symptoms. So we have to see symptoms running through the case that are looking like they were caused by that material. And I'll give you an example. If someone gets stung by a bee and they have a red, hot, swollen area where the bee sting occurred, I can give them Apis mellifica, which is bee venom. Okay. But it's been homeopathically prepared, diluted. So there's no molecules of the original bee venom, but it's now energetic. There's a frequency of that bee venom. And if I give them that, their vital force, their system recognizes this uh, energy, the frequency of bee venom, and starts to balance out their system to remove the inflammation, remove the pain, and they heal themselves basically. So this is different than pharmaceutical meds are designed to either suppress a symptom physiologically or supplement a a system, add something. So it's either adding something or stopping something within the individual. Homeopathy is different because it's energetic. So we're introducing a frequency of Mm -hmm. something from nature, and that frequency alerts the vital force in the human being to set things right and balance everything out. So that's the, that's, the whole science of homeopathy in a nutshell for you. Now, homeoprophylaxis is a subset. It's prophylaxis means to prevent. Right. So it's basically preventing disease with a, something that's homeopathically prepared. And just like vaccines, the intention is to prevent suffering, prevent disease, but uh, it's clean. There's, n- there's nothing in it but that original substance of the disease. There are no additives. There's no adjuvants. It's not made from um, uh, animal products or uh, any any type of other living product. And it's given one disease at a time. So with vaccines, it's very typical to, to combine three diseases like MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella, with a DPT. Whereas with homeoprophylaxis, we believe that the body can mount a response to one disease at a time. So we give the homeoprophylaxis of, say, pertussis, the body recognizes it and kind of downloads that information. So if it meets pertussis in nature in, in the future after that, it can either mount an appropriate response to repel the disease, or if it catches the disease, it will know how to mount a response to more easily overcome the disease. Right. Right. And this is, um, this, and the science behind this goes back generations. 200, yeah. Right. 200 years. Hahnemann himself, the father of homeopathy, 
really recognize the ability for homeopathic substances to prevent disease. Right. And there are many studies worldwide, many countries, India accepts it in lieu of conventional vaccines, Cuba, lots of studies coming out of Cuba, Brazil, Mexico, the, the regular medical doctors are trained in homeopathy itself and use it. So that's phenomenal. Um, and we know, I think what the what the resistance is here in the United States, but it is a much older science than uh, than than the vaccine. Uh, and I and you know what I guess what I was going getting at before is in terms of homeoprophylaxis and and the vaccine and the conventional vaccines. I think they're trying, other than the you know all the additives. I think they're trying to work off of a very similar. Uh, a principle exactly yeah. to introduce uh, to, prior to exposure. right exactly so that the body understands how to mount a defense the problem is that they're well they're not diluting it as right. as much and then it's also the way that it's dosed can you explain the importance of of well you already explained the importance of not getting mumps measles and rubella all in one day right, um right. which would would you know what, what are the chances that would happen in nature uh but also right. uh the fact that it, this is going transdermally versus through the mucous membranes can you explain how how yes. disease normally uh is acquired yeah the and, way why, and why that makes a difference <laughs> right 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 some of our initial immune responses occur in mucous membrane. So you breathe something in, someone sneezes, you breathe it in, you're in the environment. So when, when that antigen, that disease product touches mucous membrane, um, it sets off a cascade of immune events that begins in the mucous membrane. So when you inject something, you've bypassed that completely. It's just like, you know, I, I know that Paul Offit talks about aluminum how it's no big deal that there's aluminum in vaccines because we ingest, we breathe in aluminum in our environment. Well, it's it's very, very different when you inject something into the bloodstream. Um, you can drink snake venom, but if you inject snake venom, you'll die. Right. So our digestive system is immaculate in terms of being able to filter things out. And that's our our immunity is in our digestive system. For a large extent. So, yeah. So homeoprophylaxis is delivered on little pellets. You put the pellets in the mouth, they melt, and it's touched the mucous membrane. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, yeah. And and I think that some people, not everybody out there, (laughs) some people who are uh, looking for uh, more natural skin care may understand this. uh, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you don't want to put something on your skin that you wouldn't want to put in your mouth. Right. Right. Uh, And, um, you know, we know that uh, to go through the liver and get converted, you know, food, you know, as as we consume, it goes through uh, many processes. And uh, one of which is the liver where, you know, a lot of those toxins are broken down and turned into something else. Right. Yeah. I I frequently say to people, if you took the ingredients of a vaccine and you injected those into an apple and gave it to your child to eat, you'd have CPS at your door. Right. Oh, that's, so. that, that's, yeah, that's a, that's important to know. <laughs> for yeah. sure. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Think about sh- it. Who in their right mind would give those ingredients to someone to eat? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, uh, talk about, let's see, in your book, you just talked about so many different things. Tell us a little bit about, uh, TH1 and TH2. What, why, sure. why those yeah. two need to be distinguished? So the immune system, this is, this is a kindergarten explanation of the immune system. I'm, I'm not an immunologist, but the immune system is composed of an innate arm, which is TH1, and an adaptive arm, which is TH2. And TH3 kind of regulates these two arms. So TH1 is your innate immunity, your cellular immunity, we call it. And it is on call all the time. It's managing those um, rogue cancer cells that we may have, etc. TH2, the adaptive arm, is on high alert when there's an invader. So something comes into the system and it goes after it and it produces antibodies. So the entire uh, modus operandi of vaccines is to emphasize TH2 and to create more antibodies, force the body to create more antibodies because in the conventional world, they have associated antibody production with immunity. 
Now, I'm going to digress for just a minute. We know that some people are high responders. They create a lot of antibodies when they meet a natural disease. Others are low responders, and there are some people who are non-responders. So we know people can get the hep B shot, like hospital workers, and never produce an immune response, never produce antibodies. So in light of this knowledge, just trying to produce antibodies and judging everything on that basis doesn't seem completely accurate. And the reality is a balanced immune system where Th1 and Th2 are both balanced is really what keeps us healthy. So homeoprophylaxis addresses both sides of the immune system in a balanced way, as opposed to just trying to force and manipulate the production of more antibodies. And we know that uh, allergists, there was a a study in one of the allergy journals uh, about the allergist knowing that increased asthma and allergies are a result of emphasizing Th2 in the immune system. Right. And I was going to say autoimmune disease too. Right. Especially, Adrian, when you put when you put human diploid cells into when you use that as a medium to grow your vaccine. So you've got human cells in the vaccine and then you use an adjuvant. This is what they use aluminum for um, to boost antibody production. So whatever you've got in there, when the immune system sees it, it's, it's going to boost that inflammatory arm of the immune system. So put in human cells. OK, it's going to react to human cells. You put in eggs, it's going to react to eggs or monkey kidneys or, you know, whatever you put in there, the immune system is going to overreact by producing more inflammation. Right, right. So a lot of these uh, these diseases that we, I don't want to necessarily say didn't see before, but maybe we didn't see as much, which are now at epi- epidemic proportions. Epidemic. Absolutely. Inflammation. Right. Inf- we're seeing increased, tremendous inflammation. Crohn's disease. Absolutely. Irritable bowel syndrome. And um, everything neurological. I mean, yeah, the, the neurological yeah. diseases are, are really, I mean, we know a lot of those are, are tied to uh, aluminum, particularly Alzheimer's. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, add add to that a diet that is deficient in the the fats and <laughs> and right. the and the you know nutrients and the digestible and assimilable nutrients that we need and it's really just a recipe for disaster right and you know all disease is a process of either too much of something toxicity mm-hmm. yeah. or not enough of something deficiency and if you look at what you just mentioned our nutrition the the quality of food there's your deficiency. Right. And then you look at what's being added in our environment, vaccines uh, and multiple other environmental toxins. You've got the toxicity. Right. Right. Exactly. And then the, there's no defenses because you, because right. of the deficient diet. There's no defenses uh, to help combat the excesses. Correct. Or, or chelate or whatever we, you know, we need that to do. Right. It's so, just logic. Absolutely. Yeah, really. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's really sad that there's so many people that don't want to not only do they not want to entertain the idea. I mean, and, and I know it's fear and it's ignorance, um, but the you know, the louder they scream science, the more clear it is that they don't have a science background. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I have been dealing with doctors for over 20 years. And at this point, obviously, I, I'm I'm seeking out doctors who who have have experience uh but mostly it's the experience of healing these kids you know uh one of the the naturopaths that i deal with here in hawaii she had the same thing that you had with lily with her daughter she thought she was doing the right thing she graduated from bastier very holistic minded but she thought you know the vaccines this is this is you know my duty and her daughter went into convulsions And that's when she said, "Okay, I've got to do research because this is not normal. You know, I I know way too many people who have lost children, uh, you know, within 24 hours of of a vaccine, a a baby that that just before that vaccine was given was given a clean bill of health, totally normal, totally healthy. You know, everything was checked. And 24 hours later, the baby's dead, convulsing, et cetera. Right. Right. Well, there's no motivation in the world like the love for our kids. Absolutely. It motivates us. So absolutely. And what what really hurts me, though, is the heartlessness of the people who are so pro vaccine that they don't stop to consider the pain that others have gone through uh, and why that is relevant to 
you know, because, right. because the answer is usually somewhere in, in the middle. And I think that's very much what you bring to us with homeoprophylaxis is this, right. you know, a common sense decision, which is not you know, what the, the biggest mistake I see on both sides is that people don't feed their families properly. <laughs> you know, right. they, right. they, they right. give their, you know, they, they um, let their kids eat candy for dinner and, you know, non-nutritive breakfast cereals and, and whatever. And then they just say, okay, I'm just going to jab you with this vaccine. And then there's the other side where the, where the parent questions the vaccine, but they still let their kids eat the same way or otherwise, you know, don't, don't go the extra mile to make sure that they have an adequate immune system. Right. And, you know, like you're saying, the basis for everything is a good nutritional status and environment. So it's mm -hmm. a st stress free environment and a supportive, loving home. I mean, those are the basics that you have to build health upon. Right. And then from there, you know, homeoprophylaxis, it's, it's, it's important to me. It's very easy for me to start to see the polarization between pro or anti-vaccine. And instead, I've tried intentionally to stay in the middle where there's a solution. Right. And that exactly. solution is homeoprophylaxis. And it's, it's empowering and it's gentle and it's natural and it's green and it's, it's effective and right. there's studies to show it. So. Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell us what, what, in your opinion, why does the, you know, whether it's the, the, well, not even necessarily the SIDS, but mostly the, the autism, why does that normally show up in the second year of life? From your well, perspective. Yeah, I see, I see cases diagnosed really early in the first year. But, you know, yeah. you have to understand that in that first year, while the immune system is developing so rapidly, um, children receive eight different vaccines at two months and another eight at four months. And it just doesn't stop. That first year, there's 39 doses. That's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And also... They have added to um, the composition of vaccines something called polysorbate 80. And polysorbate 80 is designed as a surfactant, and it's designed to cross the blood-brain barrier. Holy crap. And our blood-brain barrier is there for a very important reason. So now, with increased aluminum, we're seeing this aluminum get to the brain even faster. Mm. And I think it's a, it's a contributing factor. I want to say in the 70s or 80s, there was a commercial for like skin cream where, <laughs> where they introduced polysorbate 80 as, as the, the, you know, the thing that we wanted in the skin cream. I, I could be wrong on that. Maybe I'm, I think I'm, you're right. I vaguely remember. Yeah. Does that sound right? Like, it's a, like been it, was, used. It, was, it was initially used in topical creams. Yes. Yeah, I remember. I remember it was like a, a Dove cream or Olay or one of those kind of yeah, yeah. Um, OTC. It's insidious, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, because this... it's, it's in vaccines and it passes the blood-brain barrier. So. Uh, uh, so yeah, just just another thing is as they try to not label uh, the food that we're eating, you know, on top of it, we get this whammy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people are convinced, though, and of, of course, they have to go all the way back to polio. Um, they're convinced that vaccines work. We know Hillary Clinton had her famous saying uh, during the campaign, which I think cost her a lot of votes. <laughs> but mm -hmm. but besides that, um, you know, there's a lot of people who they just don't even question it. It works. You know, what are vaccines, in your opinion, the reason why we don't see so much polio or why we don't see, you know, Although, you know, things like whooping cough or whatever are coming back. Of course, they're blaming the, the unvaccinated children who don't actually manifest the disease for causing right. it. Uh, what's, well, what's your response yeah, to that? I have a lot of opinions. Well, have at it. This is your, this okay. is your hour. <laughs> okay. So first, uh, I'll touch on polio in a minute, but first let's look at that pertussis, the pertussis outbreaks. Pertussis is a virus. Virus is a life form. All life forms mutate to find a way, okay? Yes. So their directive is to survive. So the forms of pertussis that we're seeing are parapertussis B. So they're mutated forms. They are not the form that children were vaccinated against. So of right. course there's outbreaks. Yeah. And there's no way they can touch on every mutation in a vaccine. 
which is where the beauty of homeoprophylaxis comes in because it's based on like treating like. So if the symptom picture is the same, it doesn't matter how many times that virus mutates, it will still address it and educate the immune system against it. Right. So that's pertussis. Uh, polio, I don't know if you've seen uh, Suzanne Humphrey's book, Dissolving Illusions. Oh, uh, no, I haven't. Book. Excellent book. I will I take note of that. Highly recommend it. And she looks at the historical information behind diseases, and she looks at polio. Suzanne Humphreys is a nephrologist, and she left the medical field when she saw so many children coming into the ER with kidney failure after vaccines. And she raised a red mm. flag, and she was quieted. She was told not to question this. And the more uh, she was told not to, the more she delved into it and researched and the first thing she researched was polio because that's what everybody hangs their hat on, polio being extinguished. And what she found, it's, it's detailed in this book, uh, Dissolving Illusions, was that the use of DDT in this country, a pesticide, uh, or is it an herbicide? No, DDT is a pesticide, I believe, ran along the same graph as polio. Mm. And when DDT and they would they have pictures, little video clips spraying DDT. Yeah, it's a pesticide because they were spraying for mosquitoes. Right. So they were spraying it in swimming public swimming pools oh, on top of children in the pool. Ah. And what she indicates in her research is that it's DDT poisoning. A lot of the paralytic symptoms because Really, only about 5% of polio cases lead to paralytic polio. Many people have polio with very what? few symptoms. They have gut symptoms. Huh. So okay. it's fascinating what she learned. And additionally, um, conditions. So people were in crowded cities. People had sewage in the streets. Right. Um, these kinds of conditions promote the spread of disease. And as we clean up our environment, and I even have a quote from a, a textbook for uh, medical students, and the quote says, we attribute the reduction in disease not to the advent of antibiotics and vaccinations, but to in, uh, increase clean water and living conditions. Right. That was the, the Journal of Pediatrics, right? Yeah, or, that's right. right. Yeah. Exactly. And and this is what I've been telling people. It's like, yeah, well, the, yeah, the, you know, infant mortality went down when we cleaned up and, you know, got some right, sewage right. going through, <laughs> to, you know, get, moving it out of the cities and getting clean water uh, delivered. Yeah. And most importantly is the awareness, which I think we are just gaining the, dare I say, spiritual maturity to recognize that disease is a life form. Bacteria, viruses, these are life forms. We mm -hmm. live with these life forms right. on the earth. Annihilating them is infantile. That is right. not the answer. The answer, how do we live with them? How right. do we protect ourselves? Our bodies are nine-tenths of their organisms. Yes. Viruses, parasites, bacteria, fungi. So you would be dead if you didn't have them. So the answer is not to create a new vaccine or a new antibiotic. The answer is how do we live in concert with these other organisms in a way that we can all survive? And right. homeoprophylaxis respects that. Right, right. And, you know, in um, some of the episodes, I've done a lot of episodes on farming because once people start to clean up their diet, they, you know, they want to move to organics. And then after a couple of years, they're like, well, maybe organics doesn't answer all my questions. And they start going. So we've, we've had a lot of people in regenerative farming. And one thing that comes back a lot is that, uh, with a lot of these, these systems that are working on, uh, the microbiota in the soil, uh, mm -hmm. to let those flourish because that's what you want to nourish the, the food plants that you're, you've, got right. there but we're not necessarily fighting weeds and right. so i'm just drawing a parallel here because when you know because what we do is we recognize that the weeds serve a purpose not only do they tell you the conditions of your soil but they also help to retain water in the soil 
Right. And right. they also uh, attract a lot of the same kind of, of uh, microbiota that we want in the soil. So uh, to look at that in a parallel sense of, you know, what's important to the plant and what, what we see as weeds being a nuisance, what, the, what right. is, what is the purpose that they're serving? So, you know, instead of having these kind of dust bowls because we've removed all the, the moisture from the soil. It's, right. it's, it's understanding how to work in concert with this. And this is, it sounds very much like what you're saying with the body is like, yeah, you know, all of this stuff is out there. It's like cockroaches, right? You like <laughs> people, people mm-hmm. spray their cockroaches and then they, you know, one day raid doesn't work right, because right. The, the cockroaches have mutated. You know, they've, they're, they're like one of the oldest life forms and they're, they'll be here yeah. after the apocalypse. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and and we know this. I think I think most people, even the people who you know are super pro vaccine, understand this at least when it comes to the flu vaccine. That every year there's right. a different strain of flu that comes out, and right. we can't possibly know which one it's going to be. And so this is why so many people who get the flu vaccine end up with the flu. Right, and there's a, a study from 2012 that shows how your antibodies to that particular strain are increased but your innate immune system, TH1, is actually compromised. So you are more prone to picking up all the other viruses going down the road. Right. And so, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. Um, let me see. I've got I've got so many questions for you. It's not even funny. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> Fire away. Um, uh, talk to me a little bit about or talk to us a little bit about um, cervical cancer, because I know that there's, again, a lot of people who are sold on vaccines. Some of them are still sold on the, the cervical cancer or uh what is it called? HPV yeah, the HPV Gardasil. vaccine. Yeah, Gardasil. Some people are still sold. I, you know, I have friends who post proudly on their timelines. I'm going to get my kid that when she's the right, you know, when she reaches yeah. 11 or what have you. And then, but there's others uh, who are saying, well, you know, it's still a little bit new and there's too many death reports coming out about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your take on what that vaccine does? I know that you have uh, some interesting quotes about, uh, you know, it's how likely it is to prevent cervical cancer? So I took a class with um, Diane Harper, who was the MD that helped consult with Merck in development of the Gardasil vaccine. And back in 2007, eight, when I listened to her, she said that it was a giant public health experiment, that it had been fast-tracked to the market, and it was not adequately tested. And she explained that the majority of sexually active women carry human papillomavirus. There are over a hundred strains of it. And 85% of women clear it naturally within one year. And fully 95% of women clear it naturally within two years. Now mm-hmm. those are women who have, you know, have decent immune systems. Basically. Right. But the few strains that it does cover what I'm hearing now, they've chosen the strains and I can't recall the numbers of those strains, but they chose strains to target, which were most likely responsible for cervical cancer if developing. So the development of cervical cancer takes up to 10, 15 years to occur. Right. So Dr. Harper recommended that women still need pap smears every year because that is really the best method to prevent cervical cancer. But, and then those women who who have a positive strain of one of these uh, viruses can clear it spontaneously. But what they're finding now is that the other strains are morphing and developing to cause cervical cancer, the ones that are not in the HPV vaccines. Right. So... You know, this is a naturally occurring virus, one of the many that we carry in our bodies. And um, I've heard that they're doing studies on giving it to babies because sales were lagging. So in 2016, 17, they were going to be finishing up this trial, giving it to babies. Oh, my gosh. You know, messing with Mother Nature is never advisable. No. And human papillomavirus is something that Mother Nature has put into place, we may not fully understand the reasoning. Um, But 
messing with it is bound to get us into big trouble. And, you know, here's a perfect analogy, an example of messing with, with disease. Childhood diseases, measles, mumps, and chickenpox, are there for a reason, and they promote long-term, better long-term health outcomes. Neil Miller, who wrote a fabulous uh, book called Miller's Review of Critical Vaccine Studies, came out last year, uh, 2015, 16. Anyway, so um, he has shown us studies that indicate people who contract chickenpox, measles, mumps as children have fewer cases of different cancers, uh, lymphomas, tumors. So there's a protective process that's going on with these childhood diseases. So if you try to annihilate them, people start getting them later when they're adults, where the consequences are far more difficult. And when they came out with the chickenpox vaccine, they did a surveillance study and they went to um, Antelope Island, I think it's called in California. Anyway, there was a, a community in California and one of the statisticians by the name of Gary Goldman found that the incidence of shingles was increasing mm. seriously. Mm-hmm. And he raised a red flag, went back to the CDC and said, this is causing more cases of shingles because in nature, when children get chickenpox, they give an external immune boost to the adults around them, their teachers, their pediatrician, right. their parents, their grandparents. So that immune boost reactivates the immune system of these other, the older individuals so they stay healthier. So you start taking away wild chicken pox. And what Gary Goldman found was an increase in shingles. Well, the CDC replied to him, that's okay. We're not going to do change anything. We'll just create a vaccine for shingles. Yeah. So he went on to publish in a European journal and many of the European nations did not adopt a recommendation for the varicella, the chickenpox vaccine. Um, not so in the U.S. It's on our schedule and it contains human diploid tissue. I think it's one of the first ones that had the human diploid tissue, lung tissue as a medium. And we started seeing an uptick in autoimmune diseases uh, Holy at, crap. by the end of the 90s. Yeah, because right. it was 95 that that came out. But I mean, this is a perfect example, Adrian, of how you don't mess with Mother Nature. Things are in place for a reason. And, you know, when young women contract the measles and then they grow up and have babies of their own, when they nurse those babies, they're giving precious antibodies to their babies in the first few months for the measles. Right. Not so anymore. All these young moms, they've been vaccinated. They have nothing to offer their babies in terms of antibodies for measles or Mumps or and, you know, and that's one of the things that I've been saying for a long time. And, and, you know, my bad for not investigating further, which is, you know, when a mother has been vaccinated, what is the need to vaccinate the child is, you know, how, how long does that, you know, if it's, if it's supposedly so effective. Yeah. <laughs> right? She was vaccinated. The mother's vaccinated as a child. Mm-hmm. Vaccines last 10, maybe 12 years. Right. So it's worn off. Right. So all these adults walking around do not, you know, most of them probably no longer have those antibodies. Okay. So yeah, because I mean, not not all of them require a booster, and I guess that's where the question. Well, they're trying to now. That's yeah. for sure. They're rolling out an adult schedule. Yay! Yeah, more big yeah. pharma. Yeah, isn't that so? It, that's the intent to make this mandatory for every man, woman, and child. Right, and, well, and what what is the possibility that the u.s will ever look at homeoprophylaxis as a viable alternative at least for some people who have already demonstrated to have a negative reaction to conventional vaccine well that's my goal adrian because you know i'm doing seminars i'm training doctors i'm, I'm training medical professionals so at least if parents come to them and say what is this homeoprophylaxis i've heard about a doctor can answer them intelligently instead of saying you know it's hogwash or i don't know anything about it and I'm also working with a, uh, a DO and we're in discussion with Johns Hopkins nice. University to do a study. So I'm trying to get this recognized. I think it's a long, hard row to hoe, but I mean, that's the goal because parents want it. Parents need it. We need something safe. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and clearly, uh, you know, pharma isn't doing it. I, I've, I worked in pharma for a while. Uh, I've known many people who work and I, who, you know, have worked in the NIH, the FDA, CDC, and they, they scoff at the, these supposed studies that have been done because they know how manipulated <laughs> they have mm-hmm. been done right. not only that but that they've uh in in probably actually more than the last 20 years they've been largely do- uh the studies have been done by the people creating these these um uh, exactly. Whether it's whether it's the vaccines or other medications, you know, they're doing the studies because the FDA is too is 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 too busy. So we'll just take it off your hands. And and I actually had a trainer when I worked for Pharmacia who said that he said, oh well, you know, we just do the studies for them because they're just wow. too busy. And I'm like, and I'm supposed to be proud of this? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's difficult. So you know, w- the world is ready for something new, something safe, something more evolved in a sense um, than where we're going down this road with vaccines. Because if you've heard Stephanie Seneff mm-hmm. uh, lecture, she's the MIT scientist who ran some numbers and said by the year 2030, one out of every two children will be autistic if we keep going along the track that we're going now. Absolutely. It's it's there's no doubt in my mind that uh, this is going to increase. Uh, yeah, there's uh, one thing that that uh, another thing that I always uh, say to people is, and I'm thinking of Andrew Wakefield here in particular because everybody will throw his name up. Oh well, he was discredited. And if your agency, you know, like if the government really wants to 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 convince people who are skeptical. They would actually engage us in conversation, right? They would say, okay, let's sit down at the table. Let's talk about this. Let's find, let's understand your worries. Mm-hmm. But instead, what they've done is they've gone this debunking route. I don't trust anybody who's, who's made a business out of debunking anything. <laughs> okay. Right, right. You know, exactly. it's like, you know, don't, cause it, from, you know, our standpoint, I don't think that we're trying to debunk. We're trying to offer opportunities for people to reconnect with with something you know to regain their health and not saying necessarily that all of this is hogwash but take the good and you know the stuff that doesn't work well let's let's look at that again and let's see why what i'm telling you is is superior to that correct uh but they but they don't do that they just try to silence everyone and what you're expressing adrian is critical thinking That's what you're applying, critical thinking to issues that come up, things we see on the media, ideas that come through the door. Just apply critical thinking. And, you know, it's it's about personal responsibility. It's about personal empowerment. It's it's a quality that, you know, we need to step up and grasp. Right, right. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that responsibility. You know, who, whose responsibility well, yeah. is, is our bodies? Because I always say exactly. that, you know, we don't we don't trust the government to take out the right amount of taxes out of our paycheck. We don't trust them on gun control. We don't trust them on food laws. Somehow, when it comes to the body, government wouldn't let it happen. Right. And I find most of the people coming to me for homeoprophylaxis are they're certain type. They, they have a certain profile and they're. They're independent, they're responsible, they think critically, and they want to be empowered regarding their health. They're usually organic eaters. They're they're people who have done the work and they walk the talk and they want to take care of their children because they realize that they can't pass this off to the government or the pediatrician or, you know, any authority, quote unquote. So they're very, they're independent and responsible people. And the, the beauty of homeoprophylaxis is that it, so empowers families because I give them a kit. I train them through Skype if they're at a distance or in my office, teach them how to use it. And then I make myself available for support for the duration of the program, which is about three years to to roll out the whole program. They administer the actual remedies. It's about once a month you do administration and they see their child's immune system ramp up and then go back down. And it's, it's very empowering for them because they're observing their child. They're recognizing the immune system work. They're seeing them get healthier, not, not just knowing that they have some education about these particular diseases, but also they get fewer colds, fewer sore throats than the other kids on the block who are getting vaccinated. 
Right. So the parents are thrilled. Right. Now, what what would you suggest for someone whose child doesn't hasn't been vaccinated, doesn't get sick? Do they still do you still recommend homeoprophylaxis or, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, as a safety net? Or do you say like, oh, well, they're probably okay? It's uh, again, it's up to the parent. But what I know from the studies, Isaac Golden, who did a 15 year study in Australia uh, with 3000 children and followed these these kids for 15 years found that those he had he had a group of unvaccinated vaccinated and then the hp homeoprophylaxis kids he found the hp kids actually fared better than the unvaccinated kids Mm -hmm. and the only way he could explain this is that they were receiving natural disease on an energetic level so it was toning their immune systems so i just tell parents about this study it's totally up to them and it's great that they're not vaccinating and their kids are healthy but what, what Isaac saw from these studies was that actually getting the diseases at an energetic level ha- played a role in long-term health outcomes. Wow, that's that's phenomenal. That's uh, it's fascinating. It really is, and uh, I I am so glad that there is this other alternative uh, that's out there. Um, you know, what one thing that I'm thinking of is this 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 cure bill. <laughs> that has um, has supposedly yeah, yeah what what, what does that mean for homeoprophylaxis what does that mean for vaccines what does that mean for choices um you know and and what really again what really scares me is the fact that it seems to not take into consideration my child had a negative reaction go back and get more you know so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well the thing that scares me about this care bill is that all the main players in it are those three-letter agencies like the mm-hmm. CDC, the FDA, the WHO. It, it's not looking promising. To yeah, me. and and those are if people don't realize they're all run by former executives of pharmaceutical companies. Exactly. Exactly. So so there's an agenda. There's definitely agenda an agenda. And what I tell people is, you know, the pharmaceutical companies they're not altruistic. Their <laughs> their bottom line is what they're after, and that's profits. And their profits are enormous. In one of my presentations, I show the difference between a million and a billion in terms of seconds and days and years. And they're making billions of dollars on these vaccines. So, you know, just something to keep in mind. What in terms of critical thinking, I always ask who's benefiting from this action. Right. And, you know, make choices based on that. And I, th- I think you touch on this in, in your book, which is that, you know, I'm, I'm a traveler. I've been to many other countries. I've lived in a few other countries and they don't vaccinate on the level that we do. Yet their children are not nearly as sick and autistic and dying prematurely as our children. Correct. Yeah, we have the highest rate and uh, we're number 33 in terms of infant mortality. So meaning the Bad. Near, near the <laughs> end. Near- <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's a problem. And why don't people open their eyes and see this? What I, You know, I think it's, it comes down to mothers. That's the grassroots movement. Mothers are going to change things. Because right. There's no love like a mother's love. It's well, fierce. Well, you know, this the the approach to vaccination is incredibly militaristic and masculine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what you're talking about is definitely a more holistic, feminine feminine, uh, aspect. It's it's a much more um, uh, tuned in way of looking at it. Okay, you know, like you said before, let's let's see what are the benefits. Oh, if my kid gets pertussis, he might not get asthma. Or, you know, or um, I believe I heard before that um, sickle cell anemia. Those people don't get malaria. Right. You know, there's, right. there's, you know, the, not that sickle cell anemia is something good to live with per se, but, right. uh, just, just to understand that sometimes this is how nature has worked certain things out for, a for a reason. Yeah, na- nature creates a balance of, you know, checks and balances. And we are as a, the world population is moving towards that feminine model much more with in- intuition and, emotion and sensitivity and we need to have a balance it's been a masculine model for a long time it's been growing and now the feminine is coming in and balancing things out 
Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it'll, it'll be, um, I guess what I'm wondering, what I'm worried about is with this new cure bill is, is, you know, what is our, what is our, our alternative should something like this go through? Uh, because I, I know n- no shortage of doctors who are opposed to that level of of forcing things down people's throats. I mean, my friend, my friend, she's from Denmark, and, and she was like, Andrew, why are you so upset about vaccines? My kids got the vaccine. I was like, what do you mean the vaccine? <laughs> I was like, the? <laughs> it's like, that's one. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, you know, the, the other, I mean, I guess in a lot of countries, even, you know, even Germany with its Nazi past does not require as, right. as a government mandate for everyone to get these That's shots. Right. That's right. We're the top of the list. Yeah. So Adrian, will you let me um, give a plug for my seminar? Absolutely. That's what I wanted to, I wanted to find out how can people find you and um, yeah, where are you going to be? Yeah. Speaking. So I'm doing a seminar on the West coast, Portland, Oregon. It's going to be February 10th. It's a one day seminar. And we have pediatricians. We have um, Sally Fallon Morell, the, the mm-hmm. head of uh, Weston A. Price Foundation. I'll be speaking. We have Alan Phillips, who's an attorney who uh, specializes in vaccine exemptions. The name of it is Immunity Through the Ages. So we'll be talking about the immune system and healthy, natural ways to protect it. There will be CMEs available for medical doctors. So my goal is really to get... Um, licensed medical practitioners in the door and start teaching them about homeoprophylaxis. So that's February 10th, all day long, Portland, Oregon, and they can go to uh, the website worldwidechoice.org. People can email me at Scylla at worldwidechoice.org. That's C-I-L-L-A. And if they're interested in programs, there's information on the website about programs for families and I'm in process of developing a kit for adults now because so many adults are asking me about shingles and uh, pertussis because they can't hold their grandkids without a pertussis booster. So I'm doing a kit for for adults now as well. Oh, be good for out you. February. Oh, yeah. good for you. Thank you so much for offering this to the world. This is uh, phenomenal. And uh, really just, uh, guys, if you're listening, if you haven't vaccinated your child, check this out. Uh, this is, uh, something, you know, I've, I've worked a little bit with, well, I shouldn't say worked with, I've used, uh, homeopathics, uh, uh, not homeoprophylaxis, but homeopathics, um, in myself in the past with some good success. I know that some people don't get necessarily the success that they expect that they're, but they're probably not working with a homeopath is what I'm thinking. Um, because, you know, you can buy it at the health food store and there's a lot of other practitioners, whether it's nurse practitioners or naturopaths who are not necessarily as well versed as uh as a homeopath would be and so they'll say oh just go pick up some belladonna or whatever you know (laughs) that'll do it um you know but just because of the presentation of symptoms doesn't necessarily mean uh that it's coming from the same place it's a little bit like chinese medicine in my mind uh Mm -hmm. because it does depend on the etiology of the particular symptoms correct Correct. Like, what, yeah. what the, and just the whole case, the totality of the case. So you need somebody right. who's well-versed. Right. Sometimes those, you know, things you pick up at the health food store that are combinations, sometimes they work and then people are sold on homeopathy. But other times if they don't work, people say it doesn't, homeopathy doesn't work. So right. they really need to see a professional. Right, right, right. Yeah, don't uh, <laughs> don't don't think that you can do it all. You know, there's there's a reason why there's a particular area of study in homeopathy. Right. Uh, now, so do you have your own website that you want to send people to? Um, uh, FamilyHomeopathyCare.com. Okay, Great. is my website where I have a private practice. It's it's shrinking as my work with homeoprophylaxis expands. But I do take uh, a few private clients. Right. Okay, fantastic. They can see more about it there. And then the book is There is a Choice, Homeoprophylaxis, and it's available on Amazon. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Scylla. I um, I am really jazzed up. I'm going to talk to you after the show. Uh, but thank you so much for for broadening our perspective on this and giving people options. Uh, per, and you know, particularly it might it might help some families where you know the mom is not down with it and the dad is. This might be a good compromise for them. Uh, right. So um, I do thank you so much for the 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 extraordinary work that you're doing. And uh, 
hope to have you on the show again when you have some, you know, maybe your adult kits or something else coming out. Maybe we can get you on the show again. Oh, Adrian, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean, and our operations manager is Linda Hansen. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at nutritionheretic.com, where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you just want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks. (music) 